Hello. Hey. Um, because again, I'm staying with you. We have to come yeah. up with new bits because <laughs> I tell you all my jokes in real time now. I know you get your materials getting stale. Yeah, it's getting tired. <laughs> your cat did fuck me up, but you saw that happen. So. Yeah, that was gruesome. <laughs> she's usually not that bad. I mean, she doesn't know me. Violence-wise, she's that bad behavior-wise, but <laughs> she's kind of a butt. Yeah, she's terrible. All right, so today we're gonna read your horoscope. Okay. I'm I'm ready. What's going to happen to me? All right, let's find out. So Grady's and Aries. Um, Aries are supposed to be very aggressive. Yeah. Very warlike. Hooah. So yeah, obviously it's not accurate. Yeah, it's not me at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, we tried to figure it out. I think your rising sign was like something chill. So maybe it kind of balanced it out. Um, okay, but we're just looking at a daily horoscope. Um, greasing, Aster style. I think it's like... I don't know. I consider it like, like a white woman magazine kind of thing. Like, oh, looking it up in Elle magazine or something. Okay. Um, it's it's fun and flirty, and yours is especially flirty because it says, "You are simply irresistible today, thanks to the sultry Scorpio moon." Wow, that Scorpio moon really, you know, really gets people going. It's your call, Aries, but feel free to use your charms and to draw someone closer. Be it for romance or otherwise, you may become intent on deepening this involvement. Just be smart about it. Don't be a slut, is what they're saying. Yeah, well, yeah, don't be destructive to yourself or others, okay. I guess. <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, how much do you really know about this person's history and credibility? Your wife's going to come home. We're going to find out some stuff. Yeah, I guess so. Secret family. That's my bet. <laughs> um, the pursuit may be exhilarating, but once you've got your catch, it won't be much fun if you're stuck with someone you can't trust. Ooh. Ouch. Okay, well, at least I don't have to really worry about doing that. Yeah, you're, so, already, you're already caught. Yeah. Do I need to, like, leave you two alone when she gets we home? We have to have a discussion, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be there for that. All right, what are we what are we learning about today? Oh, we're learning about your horoscope next. Oh, first yeah. First of all. Jeez. I just put away the computer. Well, I had already read mine this morning because I'm a good little nerd. You can give us a summary if you want. Yeah, mine was basically like, chill out. So don't sweat the small stuff. You could get nitpicky today. Um, in fact, adding too many bells and whistles could end up being overkill. So the other day it told you to shut up. <laughs> and now it's telling you... Chill the fuck out? Chill out, yeah. Dude, yeah, yeah. Because both of my horoscope sources, both uh, CoStar and Astro Style, were like, no, just just listen, don't talk. <laughs> yeah. That was like Friday or something. Okay. But yeah, now... Now I need to calm down. I guess I'm just a, a mess. Histrionic, according to that. Yeah. Okay, now. Now we can move on. Well, uh, today, instead of teaching you about something like just one topic, you know, very mm-hmm. specifically, uh, we figured we would open up our show to some of the listener questions that Yay! we've got. Yay! I'm excited. Yeah. Um... So we'll address like three questions that we have received so far uh, from you guys. And I guess we can start out with a question from John. All right, I'm gonna read it. Sure. All right. John says, something I've also become aware of as late is the Socialist Rifle Association. They feel the need to drive home the fact that it's extremely important to arm yourself. I was wondering if you guys could do an episode on the role of guns in communism, whether it be good or bad. 
I know Marx mentioned that it's important for the revolution to arm the proletariat against their oppressors, so I figured guns may play a larger role in communism than I previously thought. I thought this was an interesting question. Yeah, for sure. Um, what do you already think about? <laughs> I'm scared of guns. This. Okay. <laughs> um, one time our, I guess, step-grandfather just whipped out a pistol, and he it was like in his, do you remember this? He, it was like in his recliner. Whoa, no, I guess It not. was so funny. He was just like, I always have a gun. And he just like pulled out a gun. Wow, that's like a cartoon. Like. Yeah, it was, I was like, I, I wasn't even like that young. I was just scared uh-huh. of guns. I've always been scared of guns. Guns can be scary, I guess. I don't have a lot of practice with guns. I barely shot guns in my life. You went like pigeon um, hunting or something, right? Or Oh, why no, did I think that? Never. hunting. I don't know what type of hunting that is. I mean, I've been like, quote unquote, deer hunting, but it was just like lugging a rifle through the woods. That sounds awful. You know? Um, I've never shot a gun. I'm I'm kind of okay. I mean, this is going to make me sound like a dweeb. I'm a little bit proud of it. Like, (laughs) Yeah, it does make you sound like a liberal. Yeah, I know. I'm just not interested, man. I'm I'm so paranoid that something's going to go wrong. Yeah. And I'm just like, why? I mean, like. I'm not, I would really love to not ever kill anybody. That'd be great. (laughs) I think most people hopefully do feel that way. (laughs) Yeah, I hope so. At most, they feel morbidly curious, like, how bad would that be? Or whatever. But hopefully most people don't. All right, so personal opinions aside, let's take a look at, um, let's take a look at John's question here. Uh, One thing I... Do, did already know about what was what he mentioned about Marx. Um, Marx's quote uh, from a speech he gave to the Communist League. Those are the guys he wrote the Communist Manifesto for. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, he said, under no pretext should arms and ammunition be surrendered. Any attempt to disarm the workers must be frustrated by force if necessary. Okay. So, so Obama can't take your guns. Right. Beto can't. Remember he said he's going to do that? Beto said he was going to take, yeah, he was going to take our fucking guns, can you right? Can Beto doing anything yeah. with force? He can stand, he can climb up on a table pretty forcefully. <laughs> yeah, from his punk band. Um, so uh, the context of that is that Marx is talking about, well, he's talking about Obama and Beto coming to take <laughs> your guns. He's talking about liberal democracies mm-hmm. trying to take the guns from the workers. And he was basically saying, you know how Marx, uh, we've talked about how he said, work with anybody. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was saying this early on, well, he was saying early on, you're going to have to fight the reactionaries and you're going to have to team up with the liberals to do it. You yeah. know, to get rid of those guys and to get rid of all the absolute monarchs and then get, you know, get some liberal democracy in place. Mm-hmm. But then you immediately have to turn on those guys and start doing worker stuff. Yeah. And meanwhile, the liberals are going to try to be taking your guns away so that they can be in charge and they don't have to worry about, you know, counter coups or like left wing coups or anything, revolution. So they're going to try to take your guns. And so he said, don't let them do that. Okay. You know, another point of context here is that they didn't have anything like. You know, their their militaries were just like a lot of guys with, you know, bed, like slightly muskets. higher quality <laughs> guns than normal people could have, or way bigger guns in the form of like cannons, artillery, mm, yeah, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, no, they did not they have, have like an air force, you know, or drones, or <laughs> all this stuff. Yeah, so yeah. it was kind of a different world too. 
And they didn't have, you know, straight up people killing guns and stuff like that. Like, crazy. I mean, they did, but, like, not like a fucking, like, automatic. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They didn't, guns could not do as much damage as quickly. Yeah. Back then. So I think that's important context, too. Yeah, good job. Good um, job. I hadn't really thought of that, but... Uh, so let's take a look, though, at... So that's a quote. That's kind of where Marx would come mm-hmm. from for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it makes sense. It does, yeah. And I think it has some merits. I think there's kind of some room either way in terms of still, like, not liking guns, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, I mean, I think it goes back to... Um, I mean, according to the quizzes we took, we both seem to like things that require revolution. So, like, somebody's got to have a gun. I hope it's not me personally. I don't know how to do that. But I'll I'll fund the people with guns, I guess. I don't know. I'll I'll help. You'll probably just have to make the posters for... Yeah, man. To recruit the workers do. or something, you know? Yeah. All right, so the Socialist Rifle Association, though, what he talks about here, they're a yeah. left-wing pro-gun group. Interesting. All right. So they're like pro, um, you know, gun ownership rights and stuff. Pro people defending themselves and stuff. But unlike kind of like how the National Rifle Association, the NRA does it, where they're very, they're technically like, they don't say no black people allowed or something (laughs) or no gays. They're still like exclusive the way they come across, you know, and they're openly like pro patriotic or like traditionalist fashy yeah uh socialist rifle association is nothing like that they're they describe themselves as working class progressive anarchist socialist communist eco-warrior anti-fascist anti-racist anti-capitalist people of color lgbtq plus wow those are all my my favorite words yeah they check all the boxes there so they're cool in that sense but they're like, we do that, and, you know, we like guns. We think it's, okay. you know, if people want to defend themselves with guns, that's cool. You know, they should be able to do that. People should be able to defend their communities. People also should be able to just train with guns and get good at guns and go practice shooting guns. It's or also like a hobby. Or, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, like I know people who, like, that's their thing. They go out to a gun range and whatever, or hunting or whatever it is. Yeah. Skeet shooting. Is it skeet or ski? I think it's skeet shooting. I think so. Um, skeet shooting is just when you shoot white people on a hill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot different. Um, or you ski and shoot, which is a different thing. Well, that's, that's a thing. A, that's a contest. Ca- is that the one's called Skeleton? That's the coolest name? No, no that's, that's like that's you're a... flying down a hill or something. Yeah. It also has a cool name, though. Look it up. It's called the Biathlon. Well, that one's not as cool. I, I mean, mean, it's bi, so yeah, but... Yeah, that's true. It is cool because of that. Uh, you ski and shoot. All right. Um, <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of what they're about, the Socialist Rifle Association. All right. Yeah. I have, a, I guess, a theoretical question then. Yeah. Go so, um, like I said, I'm a big weenie when it comes to guns. And I'm always like, take them away. No one needs it. Like, please. <laughs> please, guys. Don't use your guns. Please. Okay. Um, but I'm willing to entertain the, this idea if I'm proven wrong and whatever. I get new information. I think what would also help, I, I think I'm... I like to think of myself as a holistic thinker. Maybe I'm not. But if we had true socialism with, like, an adequate social safety net to, like, you know, if you have mental health problems, maybe we don't give you that gun. Like, that kind of thing? There are different opinions on that. Well, I think it'd have to be a scale. Because you can't just be, like, any amount of depression. Because, like, a lot of people have depression. um, The Socialist Rifle Association, 
uh, has actually a particular stance on that. One of the things they talk about is, you know, suicide awareness. Mm -hmm. One of the things they call for is trying to limit suicides by firearm uh, through a temporary firearm holding program, Mm -hmm. which they describe as giving people the ability to check in firearms with a local chapter as a service for at-risk individuals rather than risk losing their firearms rights throughout through the state like so yeah. instead of like the state saying oh yeah, yeah you have depression you can't have a gun let people kind of manage that themselves a little more okay and, so it's more of a community thing that's cool yeah and so like you would check that in with your local chapter sort of thing that's fine i i think my broader point was approach. was I think if we have a better social safety net in general, you're probably going to have less trouble with guns anyway. Like you're not going to have crazy crime. You're not going to have um, really bad mental health or at least not as much. I definitely agree. Yeah. Um, I think that generally communists can kind of differ in terms of where on the spectrum of guns they fall, mm-hmm. you know. Um, even like the Communist Party USA doesn't technically take a stance on guns at all. Yeah. They are just like, opinions differ, you know? Can I still um, like join that today? Can I just be like, yes, please? To what? To the Communist Party USA? Yeah, I think they accept membership. It's like a dues paying thing, but okay. you would, you know, have to do I mean, that. Well, that, that means you couldn't like vote in, sh- in like closed primaries, right? No, you can. Texas has an open primary. Oh, well, Texas yeah. has an open primary. Oh, I mean,. No, because you're a member of that party, but when in a closed primary state, you have to register as. Oh. So each time voter registration comes around, you have to, or you either renew in the party you are in. Or yeah, gotcha, gotcha. So you could register as a communist, and then he could only vote in their yeah. primary. But, but that would be stupid anyways. because their primaries don't really matter. So Do they even exist? They, I, I mean, I think they do have some sort of a nomination process. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, but anyway, yeah, you know, you have hardcore communists tend to be more revolutionary and mm-hmm. tend to say hardcore pro-guns. Mark said do it. You yeah. Know? You don't want to get crushed by the state. And then more Fair. reformists tend to be kind of more, let's not do as much gun. You know, yeah. Let's not have as many guns or let's pass some gun restrictions. It's not like across the board there that way. Yeah. But it tends to be that way. Personally, I definitely agree with you that like if we address the wider societal issues yeah yeah help a whole i wouldn't feel comfortable being like okay guns are everywhere tomorrow (laughs) like you anyone get a gun at any time tomorrow uh because yeah we need to address those other issues first yeah and i don't think that like i'm sure that's not what they want to (laughs) no no no, yeah and there's no i don't think there's no relationship between there being a ton of guns in the united states and our levels of gun violence. But like you said, you know, our economic factors definitely play a factor into how depressed people are mm-hmm. and how many mental disorders they have. And I think that leftists should, you know, definitely fight for that, you know, as one of the things. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a whole package. Yeah. And I also think um, regardless of where we fall on the spectrum, you know, or what particular stripe we are, if we're anarcho-communist or whatever... Well, at the end of the day, like, we're anti-capitalists, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're still buds. (laughs) Yeah, we're still buds regardless of this particular issue. But we shouldn't really just be looking at changing our society's laws, although we should do that in in the time being. We shouldn't just be focused on let's change the gun laws Mm -hmm. um, or let's change these other laws. We do, our ultimate goal should still be to take power uh, for ourselves. Yeah. Obviously, we disagree revolutionarily or reform-wise, you know, how we want to do that, whether it's via the state or whether it's at the local commune level or whatever. 
But we shouldn't be trying to ask the capitalist government to yeah. change these things for us, please, as our ultimate goal. Yeah. It's fine to do that in the meantime, but ultimately we want to be the ones who get to decide that. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we keep coming back to these concepts that are very, like I said, like they have to kind of go together. I mean, capitalism being the underlying one. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I mean, we, it feels like we really can't take care of anything else without that. You know, like it's like you can't fucking fix education without it. You can't fix healthcare without it. Like you just can't. You <laughs> like, can alleviate you, it. Yeah, and we're seeing that now with all these like fucking mealy mouth, like we're changing the state flag design. <laughs> and like, you know, we removed an episode of Girl, Golden Girls nobody cared about. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's not what we wanted. <laughs> Like, yeah, it, it is. It feels like they're just coddling us with with superficial changes, and it's like at the end of the day, we're still getting fucked. Mm-hmm. It's a, no, hey, it's like what we uh, how we talked about in in the uh, what episode is that? Right to work. Yeah, the abusive boyfriend. And right to work. Yeah, when we <laughs> talked about um, shithead dude. Oh come on, baby, I'll change. You know, <laughs> yeah. I changed. Look, I'm wearing a different shirt. I it's, cleaned our room. Yeah. <laughs> Like, as little as possible to to still get to do the same old thing. Yeah. Not to say the change in gun legislation would be... That'd be a big deal. A trivial thing. I mean, yeah, here's the sure. thing. I mean, if someone actually had, like, a really robust gun law tomorrow, I think I'd still go for it. Oh, yeah. Then there's nothing... Because, you know, I mean, in, under a capitalist system that doesn't have these safety nets, then, like, yeah, I don't think we can have guns everywhere yet. I'd be willing to put that restriction on... I mean, maybe not. Maybe that's Maybe that's a bad take, but... I think some leftists would say it's a bad take, and some because then agree. I guess how would you have the revolution if all your guns are taken? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not in favor personally of mass confiscation. I don't think it's very useful, but I think that I guess I more sympathize with the Socialist Rifle Association position of mm-hmm. s- trying to increase you know the safety of owning guns. I'm, and yeah, I'm I'm okay with that. Without though. really limiting that. them. That's fair. And types of guns, I think, is common sense. I mean, that's yeah. I think you that's definitely don't want to expand in. it to like rocket launchers or something. <laughs> uh, that would not make sense. You yeah. Know? So. So yeah, I, think I take back of... my bad take because yeah, I just realized like logically it makes no fucking sense. Like, how are you gonna have a revolution if, if they took all your guns? Well, <laughs> ideally, unless you're doing like a strike or something, I don't know. Ideally, all that all that firepower and stuff that the military has becomes ours because if it doesn't, we probably lose. We would lose know? anyway, even if everyone had a gun, huh? So ideally, we need them anyway. If we're talking the revolutionary approach, and you know, we don't even really know if we're too on board with that personally. But. I like it in the abstract. <laughs> I am scared. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot I of different feed ways. You, they... And I will make cool posters for it. <laughs> All right. That's kind of the first question. Yeah, I think we could have gone more on that. But, I mean, yeah, we kind of want to just do a quick quick addressing of these questions. Yeah, So for sure. Let's go to our next one from Jack. All right. Um, Jack says, um, when I was young, I was taught in school that China is a socialist country with Chinese characteristics incorporated. For a long time, I firmly believed in it. Uh, But after I studied in the UK and got a chance to watch various videos on YouTube, now I think that China is nothing like a socialist country. But if all these named socialist slash communist countries were never what they were named, then does it mean we've never had any practice for socialism or communism in the field? And if capitalism can bring prosperity and better life to us, in the case of China, why do we need a theoretical system in the future? Basically, just, yeah, they, they kind of want to know where to turn to next. They also ask if we can give some suggestions on what to read, watch, and listen to. Okay. So. Interesting. I like that question from Jack there. Yeah, thank you, Jack. 
let's tackle it kind of one at a time. Yeah. And talks first about uh, China being a, uh, described as uh, socialism with Chinese characteristics. Yeah. It's like the official party line um, in terms of what their political economic system is. Can I backtrack just a smidge? Yeah. There's just so much propaganda about China. Is <laughs> the thing. I just wanted to mention that, like, I'm particularly coming from a very Western perspective of, like, I just feel like China's been set up as the boogeyman forever. People just think it's, like... I mean, I don't know what it is, honestly. I'm waiting for you to tell me. Uh-huh. But I think the U.S. line is, like, oh, it's a dictatorship. Oh, it's, like, there's just no freedom. There's just where all the sweatshops are and all this stuff. Like, it's very much scare tactics. So I'm, I'm curious to hear what, what's actually up What's over going there. on for real? <laughs> um, you know, it's a huge economy. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's and, a huge country. And a huge economy can't just run on sweatshops. I mean, they do have high-tech industry there as yeah, well. Sure. They have all. It's a diversified economy. It does have some democratic institutions, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of representative government or whatever. It is definitely not the most democratic country in the world, for sure. Not the country with the most political freedom, either. Okay. So I would not really rate it very highly on that scale. I also come from a Western bias on this, so I don't know as much about China as I could Yeah. in terms of that. And that's something know? we definitely have talked about doing episodes about that in the future, delving into like just the history of communist China and how it got there and all that stuff. Yeah, so. I think we do need to, it would, you know, there's multiple aspects we could explore with that. But you're right, yeah, we, we get a lot of propaganda about China. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it has elements of truth to it. Okay. It's centered around criticisms that kind of carry some weight. Okay. Like with... Uh, like human rights. They're very bad at that, right? So in terms of human rights, one particular glaring instance is the treatment of the Uyghur population. Yeah, yeah. I've read China. about this. It's bad. I do not support what they're doing there. does not sound like it's good. It reminds me of, and this is how I would frame most of our, most of America's propaganda against China is propaganda in the sense that it's one-sided or that it points to China and says, look at the bad things you do, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, good because they are bad things. They are bad things, yeah. Uh, But I don't think, it always kind of carries an air of like, and they're, you know, and and we don't do that. Yeah, Yeah. we don't do that. I mean, my favorite maxim these days is that two things can be true at once. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I don't want to <laughs> engage in... I that like every other day. Yeah. I don't want to engage in whataboutism and be like, well, yeah, but you know, America's bad. Because they are. That doesn't excuse China. But no. China being bad doesn't excuse America either. Yeah, exactly. You know, where they have the Uyghur concentration camps. We've got... Detention Detention centers. centers. Oh, We've jails. got Guantanamo Bay. We have our own things in that regard, but they do have kind of a poor human rights record in that respect. The Communist Party arrangement is kind of tightly locked there. But in regards to Jack's question here, you know, he's saying China is uh, a bureaucratic capitalist country or a national capitalist country. They do seem nationalist. Um, they're nationalist. They definitely, um, is, when you look at the Hong Kong situation, they were very, oh, yeah. you know, they passed laws saying you couldn't you know, make fun of the national anthem or something yeah. like that. So Which, real quick, let's yeah. just have a quick definition of nationalism as, as it's used. Nationalism is just, you know, patriotism or kind of in the more common usage, maybe you could think of it in terms of school spirit, but for the country. I feel, I mean, is it, it's not the same thing as fascism, but they're buds, right? 
nationalism is not necessarily. I guess you could fascists be nationalist are, and be something else. Fascists are nationalists. Yeah. Nationalists don't always go to yeah. Rectangle nationalists square. don't always go all the way out to fascists. Okay. Uh, but what he means by this is uh, the idea of state capitalist, mm-hmm. uh, whereas the state takes the primary role in running an otherwise capitalist okay. country. Okay. So this, in China, they have a lot of state-owned enterprises. Mm-hmm. The government runs a lot of businesses in okay. China. So, I mean, what kind of businesses? Like utilities kind of stuff or just like anything? Anything. Oh. Like for-profit ventures, but they run them. It's huh. owned by the state. That's weird. Yeah. So I would agree with his assessment there that China is a state capitalist. Officially, what China calls it, you know, it, its economic system and that socialism with Chinese characteristics, they refer to it as a socialist market economy. That's confusing. Yeah. <laughs> it's The idea here is that you are trying to achieve socialist principles, do socialist things, but you have a market economy that the government is just kind of trying to influence in its way okay so it's almost like a weird version of like a sock dem but they're like directly manipulating the markets instead of just like taxing people and they're yeah and they're in it <laughs> they're yeah they're, they're doing playing it. in the market yeah. game they're not as opposed to keeping it separate yeah they're yeah. not a referee trying to rule in favor of they the joined workers. the team <laughs> they yeah they're playing in the game and they're trying to win for the workers basically. okay interesting um supposedly though i mean i don't know i'm skeptical about that I'm skeptical that they're trying to uh, help every single worker in China. Mm-hmm. I think that they're, you know, they're probably not trying to help, you know, people who disagree with the regime or religious minorities yeah. or various groups like that. That, in that sense, uh, that's where you get into some of the darker sides of nationalism. Mm-hmm. Besides that part, which is really bad, they are, they do have a lot of like social provisions and stuff for people. Okay. You know, that's cool. Especially compared to where they came from, really increased literacy rates, uh, really increased, you know, health provision. Yeah. Standards of living. Uh, Education, and that sort too. Of thing. Mm-hmm. So the government plays a large role. They kind of help with macroeconomic plans, okay. which is just like, generally, where do we want our economy to end up, you know, down the like, road? Like they'd ever be like, I don't know, it could go down some. Yeah, <laughs> right. I think we're they making want to, too much money. They want to improve, you know, but they, it's like, oh, let's expand in oil. Oh, let's do this building project, you mm-hmm. know, that sort of thing. But there's also a lot of private ownership of the means of production. Okay. So it's not just a state running things. Okay. There's also like private businesses that operate in in the Chinese economy. So it's definitely not just socialist, right? It's okay. kind of a yeah, mix. Yeah, it's a mix. Uh, I think Jack asks here in the question, if China or, you know, the Soviet Union, other countries, whatever, so-called socialist or communist countries weren't actually that. And what were they? Yeah, well, what were they or, like, have we ever seen true socialism or communism? So we talked about this in the first episode, I remember, because that was, like, a big... I was going to say... Sticking point. Kind yeah, of, yeah, that was a big, like, aha moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, was that technically we never had communism because full communism is, like, I got a replicator, guys. Food forever. Yes. Um, but even socialism, like, it's always been... I don't know. From what I've heard, at least, it's always been problematic. <laughs> okay, yeah. You're right on the communist side. There's no... You know, we haven't had true communism happen. Uh, in the sense of like post scarcity, mm-hmm. no, all that, no inequality, no social classes. I don't think That's really leftists have to argue on that <laughs> front. Uh, socialism, though. Yeah, tell me. 
the way I would put it is it's it's kind of a spectrum. Yeah. You can be more socialistic, less socialistic. It's kind of like when we were looking at the variants of leftism and we said, you know, okay, a, so, a social democrat is like your last stop out of capitalism. Yeah. You know, you kind of go into the reformers and then you go harder from there. So if you look at like, I I think a common current example would be like Scandinavian countries. People are like, those are socialist countries. They still have markets though, right? Yeah, those are explicitly like social democratic countries. Yeah, so they're technically socialism. It's just socialism like. They are still capitalist in the sense that they do, their economy is still. Okay capitalist they just try to use that to help people yeah you know i think that's a good example of it but like you can go anywhere from that to kind of what china's doing which is more socialistic you do have more in this sense government run companies which Mm -hmm. theoretically is worker run companies because the workers are supposed to be in charge of the government to the extent that that's really the case is a different story. That's yeah. kind of the political you yeah. know, side of it. But they're, yeah, exactly. If they actually socialized, I guess. I was going to say the opposite of privatized. Yeah, if they actually did it with workers in charge. That makes sense because we've talked about it before. Like, man, I wish they would, you know, fucking socialize the internet. Like, so everyone has yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, China is in the socialist camp, broadly speaking. Mm-hmm. They do say, you know, we want to get to socialism. You know, we want to get to communism. Yeah. Uh, but their economy, I think, and their political system has some more so their economy has uh, very capitalistic elements. To yeah, it, for sure. You know? Modern day examples of this include Vietnam, Laos, Cuba, even North Korea does have in re- more recent years a kind of gradual small little bits of experimenting with some privatization really? style, you know, like. It's a it's a bid to get foreign development money, basically, yeah. to try to turn their you know economic situation around. Mm-hmm. But that's a big that's a big scale, you know, yeah. Scandinavian countries to what North Korea is doing. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But to some extent, they allow some degree of capitalism regulated by a government that has socialistic goals and policies. That, Sorry, that was a big sentence you just said. Say it again. To some degree. Uh huh. Uh, All of these countries... All of them, okay. Yeah, all of these countries have a little bit of capitalism. Okay, yeah. From very, very, very So nobody's gotten rid of it. Nobody's gotten rid of it completely. You know, I think North Korea doesn't really have much at all, Mm -hmm. you know? But it's a big sliding scale in terms of, you know, a little bit to substantial amounts in Scandinavia. What about, like, historically? Um, So historically, you've got countries like the Soviet Union. You know, you've got... China back in the day under Mao. You have uh, Yugoslavia, East Germany, other Eastern Bloc countries and stuff. Leftists definitely disagree about how socialistic these countries were. Personally, if you're asking about did they truly carry out socialism, I would say that, you know, they aren't perfect examples of it. (laughs) Again, yeah. I do think that most of them at some point in their history started setting up in terms of, you know, the laws of their country, setting up a socialist government and an economy, you know, socialist Mm -hmm. government, socialist economy, to some extent, you know, with varying degrees of success. Mm -hmm. I would not say that they were not socialist at all. You know, they were some, they 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 tried to be. 
and it, why I say at different points in their history is because, like, if you look at the Soviet Union, they had a period called the National, uh, the New Economic Policy, mm-hmm. which was like Lenin saying, "Let's do a little bit of state capitalism. Yeah, it'll help us that. for a bit." You know, Mao really didn't engage in too much in much capitalism, I don't think. But uh, but after him, there were economic reforms under a guy named Deng Xiaoping. That started to introduce some more kind of market mechanisms okay. and stuff. So, and Yugoslavia was always kind of a mixed situation. Okay. Um, when you look at history, at overtly socialist countries like that, there is a big difference between what they were doing and what, like, even liberal democratic administrations in the United States were doing. Well, we talked about this before when we we're talking about like global communism. I think that was Trotsky's thing, right? Trotsky was all about the permanent revolution, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, how difficult that is if not everyone's on board. And like, I I run into this wall all the time when I'm daydreaming about it. It's like, well, even if I had, you know, Christine Land, perfect communism, Mm -hmm. how the hell am I going to like trade with other countries that are capitalist still? Like, how would that work? True, yeah, that is. I I think these countries, I mean, you know, fucking look at Cuba, like, (laughs) you know, the world is against them on this, so that's going to hinder their efforts. I'm not saying that they're perfect without that. I think yeah. there's definitely, in a lot of these places, like still like racism and like some bad shit going on. But that definitely does not help. Yeah, I would definitely say that was a hindrance to them. But you're right. It doesn't excuse everything that they did incorrectly, and, and, and especially in terms of you know political repression and not fulfilling the promise of democratizing their government. Yeah. Of really having a government that was not just saying it's for the workers, please let us do things for you, but actually being of the workers. Being made out of them. Yeah, yeah. That's different. Another part of Jack's question here was about saying if capitalism can bring prosperity and better life to us in the case of China, you know, why do we need this theoretical system? I think there's kind of two parts to this. Mm-hmm. The first part is the assumption that capitalism can bring prosperity and bring a better life. Can, but not to everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> here's what I would say. that With state capitalism, right? Mm-hmm. We're talk- that's what he's asking about, really. Not just pure unfettered capitalism. Everyone knows that one's not good. Yeah, that one's bad. But if you're doing like the, the Scandinavian countries or China or whatever, a mixed economy, right? With some help to people. What you're doing, you're harnessing capitalism yeah right you're taking capitalism and you're you're saying i'm going to use the profits to help people yeah it's going to do what it does well it's going to make those profits build wealth and we're going to use that to help alleviate the problems that capitalism creates that's true yeah because if you actually had a worker run workplace you actually you'd be able to afford things (laughs) like it would be fine like you wouldn't have to pay out the ass for crazy pharmaceutical places because like they would also be worker run and hopefully those people would be mustache twirling evil people well what if the government runs the pharmaceutical companies Mm. and they make all the things and they sell them for a profit to the asshole capitalist countries but they you know give them free to you because you're good and in the country I mean, hooray for me for being born in the right country, I guess. Like, I feel bad about those other people. Well, they should, you know, overthrow their government and become... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right that it's kind of a... It doesn't do enough, Mm -hmm. right? 
I think that it is way better than just, you know, letting oh, the sure, bosses for sure. pocket all that and buy yachts and mansions with them or something. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I would like to get rid of capitalism like as it stands today. I think a big weakness in this also is that it leaves in place like the fact that there are two different classes. Yeah, yeah. There's always going to be a boss. There's always going to be a worker. I think for me, too, it's also like resource extraction. Like if you have capitalism, you're still fucking up the earth in some way. Yeah. I don't think there's a way to do that sustainably and still make a profit. Maybe in some cases there are. But then what's going to happen is you're going to have to jack up your price so much that like poor people can't afford it. But then how do you get out of that with socialism? I don't know. <laughs> you still <laughs> have to produce earth. things and you're yeah, going to okay. extract You do. Things. You do. Um, but I don't know. I would hope that socialism is more, I don't know, sciencey and research heavy and like is looking into alternative ways to produce things. Instead of just solely focused on making as much money as they can in the yeah. current state. Okay. Yeah, I'm, that's, that's my that's my eco communism stripe showing. Is I would divert most scientific resources to like, hey, fix climate change. This is your job now. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and also figure out replicators. Go. <laughs> Two very distinct priorities there. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my administration. Um, but for me. One of the other kind of aspects, negative aspects to like a mixed, why do you need the theoretical system in the future? Is because if you le- just leave those class antagonisms in place, you leave mm-hmm. it to where there is a capitalist class, you're just kind of like taxing them a lot and mm-hmm. using that to help the people, is that they're always going to be fighting for their self-interest, which is to keep as much of their profits as possible. Yeah. And... Meanwhile, you know, the government slash the workers, they're going to be fighting for their self-interest to tax more of that to provide for people and to alleviate the problems that are being caused. That tension, with that tension there, there's there's a greater chance that the capitalists, you know, win or are able to roll back some of that. Because they have, I mean, the power, which is resources. (laughs) Yeah, they they have direct control of the resources. They... You know, there's an element of, oh, you need us to produce these things. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of have to keep them happy Without a worker-run workplace, yeah. Someone can always just leave or take their ball and go home. Yeah. Whereas with socialism, it's not like you move past their being self-interest. Mm-hmm. We're not asking people to become saints. Yeah. But you either gradually or all at once get rid of the people who have that economic power who are who see themselves as a different class with different interests yeah and when everyone's kind of on the same side still looking out for their you know their Mm -hmm. self-interest it's going to work better because they're they're working for society slash themselves yeah they're working to provide a service instead of yeah just trying to scramble out of a hole Mm -hmm. we watched a very good star trek episode last night that talked about this what was the name of that episode um that one was the the neutral zone the neutral zone yeah Yeah. season one i think next generation Mm -hmm. and the plot was they spoilers for star trek next generation (laughs) the plot was they found some frozen people from like our time basically yeah which is funny because this was in the 80s so that this is what they thought would happen by the way according to them tv only has 20 more years by 2040 tv's not as popular get your binge watching in now (laughs) but one of the guys was like a a financier was his title Mm -hmm. and he was really pissed he couldn't get to his bank accounts he's like i need to call my lawyer and it's just like a total caring about it like call the captain on the com and he's like this is for official business (laughs) um but yeah and he basically like picard basically had to sit him down be like look we don't have that anymore like (laughs) we're done everyone's 
no one's get going hungry anymore. Like we fixed that. And he and the guy was just like, what's the point? Yeah. What a loser. <laughs> He's like, what's the challenge? Ugh. And he's just like, figure it out. That's the challenge. Yeah, like, man. Do what you want to do. Like, have a drive beyond accumulating piles of shit like a dragon. Exactly. And do something, you know. And that's what you ultimately are going to move people toward in socialism that you're never going to get away from mm-hmm. under state capitalism or under, you know, a social democracy style thing that just still uses. Yeah. Still uses capitalism. I'd like to go back to the point of like, if it enriches people this might mm-hmm. not apply we can cut it if we want to sure. um but i saw this really great tweet the other day it was from um sui davies okumbagua um and he's talking about the colonization of africa and that people often um use kind of the excuse of well you know it got better there mm-hmm. uh, because of colonization they use this excuse for lots of places lots of indigenous cultures that are like that they're like aren't aren't you glad we brought technology <laughs> And just shit yeah, like that. Which has its roots in just complete actual racism of mm-hmm. let's enlighten the barbaric people. Exactly. You know? um, but he For- talks about um, the Benin Empire, which is now Benin City in southern Nigeria, and how before they were you know brutally colonized, they, they were in charge of their own trade agreements. It was like a thriving medieval city. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so they, they were like totally fine being an independent player in this in this okay. economy basically there are great empires though in in africa and yeah you know, the civilizations the ghana empire the mali empire mali was the the kings of mali one of the most famous ones was mansa musa yeah i've heard a, of him yeah he made a hajj to to mecca spent so much gold on the way that he caused you know some inflation in the region because he was just so rich and stuff. You know, the kingdom was just so wealthy. Uh, and they spent so much money that just kind of, you know, caused a minor economic problem there. <laughs> or this, so I, I found what I was looking for. Um, Benin had the walls of Benin, and it was a 1.4 times longer than the Great Wall of China. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Like, they had technology. Like, they were mm-hmm. capable, you know. And you can look at things like, you know, Aztecs and just, like, Latin American cultures they they had really cool shit going. They understood mathematics. They had crazy astrological calendars and stuff. Like mm-hmm. they weren't just you know wallowing in the mud or something. Yeah. I don't know. But. To, to that extent, for sure. And even if they were killing a bunch of them, I don't know if it that, was yeah, like, that doesn't excuse it. Yeah, I don't know if like killing a bunch of them so that the few who lived descendants can have railroads. I don't know if that's like <laughs> not worth it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was, it was a straight-up genocide. We shouldn't excuse that with, well, you have a car now. Right, yeah. Don't you like <laughs> your iPhone? Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. So I think, yeah, uh, Jack, to tie this question together, I think that you are right in your assessment of China. To answer your question about the seeing socialism or communism in practice, it's we tough. definitely haven't seen communism. We've only seen kind of sort of messed up versions of socialism in different ways (laughs) capitalism can do some good things if the state like you you know channels it to use to help the people but a better way is to not leave the capitalists laying around ready to mess things up for you i'm i'm wondering because this is one of the reasons we started this podcast is that when you talk about communism people are like well what about china or what about Russia and mm-hmm. you have to like defend them and like one you shouldn't have to defend the bullshit they did that's bad yeah but two I mean 
it is very tough to look at these attempts that like in many ways failed Mm -hmm. and have to figure out like, okay, how would we actually do it next time? I mean, and then I I think part of that is one, the idea that capitalism is not a failure. That's a failure. (laughs) Yeah. Like we read about fucking Gilead is going to charge out the ass for their coronavirus treatment. Mm -hmm. Like that's a failure. Like there's a pandemic and you are basically condemning poor people to die. There's a pandemic and you've got your doctors in trash bags and stuff and your police in Iron Man. Exactly. Like that is a failure. We can't pretend that this is a good thing anymore. But two, yeah, I mean, I'm of two minds and part of me is just like, fuck it. Let's all go just local anarcho-communism. Maybe that's the reason they fail because they're too big. And then I'm like, no, everyone has to do it once. It has to be huge. (laughs) We got to get to global communism tomorrow. So I don't know. I mean, we're not going to answer that question here. It's just something that I always think about. For sure. Yeah. And there are also (laughs) some current examples of anarchist or anarcho-communist like kind of not states not full countries or anything but areas mm-hmm. you know kind of local governance things that, that do exist you've got the talking about chop uh, i mean you <laughs> chop do have chop a... but it's very tiny you have the zapatistas in mexico oh yeah tell me about them uh the acronym for them are the mares okay. the uh, municipios autonomos rebeldes zapatistas Ooh. And uh, the the rebel Zapatista autonomous municipalities, and it's just like a bunch of towns and you know, pueblos and small areas like that, regions of the state of Chiapas that are just basically, state. yeah, the state of Chiapas. They're basically like self governing, like they just don't let the rest of the government in there. That's kind of cool and uh, stuff like that. Like and 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 they they kind of administer their places, you know, in a in a, in a commune style fashion. Like and they're you know they're not putting people in gulags or anything yeah there aren't you know terrors going on there uh there's rojava in syria like northern syria or something but Mm. they're constantly at war because everybody's you know trying to trying to mess them up so you can't really use them as a very as a very good template but there's it's not hopeless i guess is what we want to say like there are some small examples very small scale and beyond that there are historic very short-lived historical examples <laughs> like the paris yeah. commune or or the spanish anarchists in Ooh. the civil war i'm just like um, writing down episodes <laughs> right here those historical examples are in times of crisis and stuff though mm-hmm. so they really don't get a chance you know they're born in war and get crushed in the war and you can't really you say oh i want to be like the paris commune well it's not going to last long. Yeah, yeah. That was, um, I mean, that's interesting, though, that like in times of great need, that's what happens. And I'm like, man, we got some great need right now. <laughs> <laughs> that we did. And I think that's part of what spawned, you know, Chaz and then Shop was that mm-hmm. was was just a desperate need. You know? Yeah. People yeah. needed to do that. Maybe as, as the climate crisis gets even worse, we'll realize, like, no, shit, we got to like fucking work together, guys. <laughs> like, this is what we got to do. Yeah, for sure. Not saying I want that to get worse, but it will. Do you have any uh, recommendations for things that could, because uh, I know Jack in the last part mm-hmm. of his question asks uh, things he should search, uh, read, watch, listen to, just sources yeah. uh, on history. I mean, definitely listen to us. We're like the best. He's already doing that. I know. Good job, Jack. (laughs) A couple of podcasts that come to mind um, in terms of this. One is a show called Moderate Rebels. Okay. And they uh, look mostly at foreign policy. Okay. So they look at, you know, their most recent episode 
as of recording time anyway, says uh, linking U.S. imperialism and police violence. That's cool. I mean, not cool those are linked, but yeah. <laughs> uh, how a killer cop got, uh, got their start at a dictator training military base. Oof. And one talks about Bolsonaro and the far, far right movement in Brazil. So they, they do a lot of, of foreign policy. That sounds good. Um, which I think, yeah, I think can be useful. If you're interested in like theory, mm-hmm. communist theory, there's a show called Swampside Chats. Okay. And they do a lot of reading things, uh, reading readings of things. Another big history one is something called Rev Left Radio. And for instance, they have one on the Palestinian liberation struggle, the Haitian Revolution. They have done episodes on the Chinese Revolution as well, different aspects of it. Maoism in the Philippines also. Those are a few off the top of my head in terms of podcasts. Uh, I mean, I think there's a reason I reference our first episode in every episode is that um, learning about Marx was like really helpful for me. It was such a useful framework and it's very good at just breaking down the history of capitalism versus, you know, a potential history of of socialism and communism. Um, Like I said, my mind got blown several times reading that. There's two more things in that vein Mm -hmm. that I want to talk about. One is uh, Lenin's uh, imperialism, the highest stage of capitalism. Mm-hmm. has a lot to do with, uh, with global politics and how basically it takes Marx's quote about capital eventually having to chase all over, you know, capitalists chasing resources all over the world and getting into conflict with each other. It kind of develops that and says, you know, eventually the exploitation is exported all around the world. Yeah. And you start to see, you know, it kind of Ends up talking about what the emergence of the global south and things like that. Yeah. There is another uh, important thinker mm-hmm. uh, in terms of analyzing the question of state capitalism or kind of criticizing more, more state-oriented yeah. versions of socialism uh, is Emma Goldman. Oh, yeah, you've told me about her. Emma Goldman was really cool. She was an anarchist. Hell yeah. She, you know, initially was kind of supportive of the Russian Revolution and then came to criticize it and, you know, called it, uh, you know, state capitalist, despotic, you know, mm-hmm. saying it, it really kind of betrayed what it was about. So if you're interested in, in maybe how that might apply to other other socialist endeavors, that would be a good person to check out. Cool. I haven't done a ton of like long readings on her, but um, Angela Davis's are always a really good resource, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to obviously prison abolition, but just anti-capitalist work in general. Yeah, she's been saying the same stuff for a long time, and I feel silly having not known about her sooner. But everything I've read about her seems like she's super badass. Awesome, yeah. But yeah, we will. Um, we try to list sources, but we can try to get a little better about that in the show notes, and <laughs> we can list these out in the show notes. Um, as well but yeah we're gonna keep doing book clubs and movie club stuff too so definitely tune in for those yeah but thank you for writing in for sure i don't think i thank john so also thanks john (laughs) all right our last question comes from kayla um and um the email starts with lots of compliments all of these do and i soak them up and i put them under my pillow I just sprinkle them all over my face in the morning for a refreshing mist. (laughs) Um, But she writes, um, as a hopefully future librarian, my question is, how would publicly funded things like libraries, museums, parks, etc. would function? Like, how would they be funded? Um, That's a good question. And I think like a lot of these, we kind of have to take it in two streams. Sure. Um, One is the obvious stream of, once you're in Utopia, baby, it's all taken care of. Oh, yeah. Library on every street corner. Mm Mm-hmm. 
library like in a link in your brain. Mm-hmm. You, know. you gotta explain what that is. Only I know what that is in our <laughs> D and D group. Uh, it's just a computer brain interface. I think there's something like it on an Amazon original show now. Oh. Uh, but it's just, you know, imagine you had access to like the internet, computer, everything, but yeah. in your brain all the time. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can I have could print like, any book anytime. Yeah. With a crazy 3D printer replicator. And it'd be, uh, it'd be fully compostable, recyclable, everything. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't be compostable. That's like food. You could well, eat actually, it, I guess. <laughs> you know, I read, oh, I want to look up the story because it's good. <laughs> Uh, what's the name? I read this very good short story by Charlie Jane Anders. Um, she's a really good sci-fi writer. Um, but she wrote about, basically there was a, a food shortage in this town. This was a sci-fi thing, obviously. But um, And people realized they could just eat their walls. <laughs> so they started doing that. Yeah. Um, because everything was made out of like compostable stuff and it was fine. Interesting. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe they will be. Maybe I can just snack on a book. There we go. Um, so yeah, in Utopia, it'll all be covered. But what we want to, like you said, the two streams we want to look at is how would they be funded under socialism, basically. Mm-hmm. Even depending on your, your tendency, if that's like national level or if it's like local commune level. Yeah. How would it happen? Yeah. Is what we're looking And then at. even like reform shit. Sure. I mean, reform shit, we should just fund libraries more. Well, like, okay. <laughs> Let's not get to that one yet. Okay, yeah. Under... You know, a socialist situation. What would we want to do? Hmm. You definitely want to fund them. Yeah, I want All a lot of, of libraries. I think it would be basically people would kind of democratically decide that and fund them to a much greater extent than they're funded now because instead of the capitalists getting to take a huge cut of the profits and stuff to go build a menagerie and their mansion you know you can just use that money to to fund these things yeah Yeah. two things that i'm always on the lookout with libraries i used to volunteer in a library did you you know that yes i I remember that yeah and also i I definitely took the library class in high school because it was chill (laughs) yeah (laughs) you just got to hang out Mm -hmm. but um no my big things that i always want to keep an eye on with libraries is one is accessibility we were talking about the library in our hometown which is like kind of downtown at first i was like wouldn't it be better if it was like in a more trafficked area, but I was thinking trafficked area by car, mm-hmm. whereas you want it to be really accessible to foot traffic. Yeah. Which there isn't a lot of in our town, but yeah, still. Still, yeah, yeah, for sure. That would be, I'm trying to think, because like libraries are already kind of public institutions. They as are. As it stands. I guess under socialism, you you have a government that is more responsive to people, like it's more democratized. You don't have to be rich to be in government. Like, you don't have to have enough money to run because that's not a, you know, you don't have yeah, to do that. Yeah, or just enough money to survive because you don't get paid much. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's also less concentrated in terms of, par- like, a parliament or, like, a congress or, like, a city council or local government mm-hmm. and more horizontal. So, like, things can be voted on more directly. You might put out as a public referendum where do we want this uh, library to be instead of having you know the city council bring in the chamber of commerce guys and sure you voted for the city council but like who are they listening to now yeah where are they going to put the library now things are in a socialist program supposed to be you know like we said more responsible to the people basically yeah yeah um the second point i'm always looking for for libraries is the libraries are just a place for books that should include lots of community program um, programming 
and you know for a lot of people that's where they get their internet access and a place to stay during the day uh, especially here in texas where it's stupid hot um and other places where you know climate is a problem so i don't think it has to be in a you know in a socialist society it's not so much your only shelter from the heat yeah for sure. so we we would hopefully yeah. yeah we would do other stuff uh, for that too yeah it's but it, you're right that it should be like a public space it should be that's you know? my dream like i want uh, there to be you know robust children's reading programs and activities and like plays and all kinds of stuff like yeah do you find it annoying i sometimes i find it annoying uh, that when you're looking for something to do, you're usually looking for some way to spend money. Yes, yeah. You're like, there's not really. There are there are plenty. There are a few good ways to like. Yeah. How many times have you googled like cheap date ideas? Like, yeah, in or college. Some, or, That's all I did. Yeah, you can like go to the park <laughs> or like go to the library or something. Yeah. But there's you know a lot of things involved going somewhere and spending some money at a thing. You know, buying. For sure, a thing. going to the movies, going to a restaurant, whatever. Yeah, I think that. Part of this, you know, these publicly funded things, the great thing about them, about improving libraries or museums or parks, is that, you know, hey, in socialism, for instance, museums wouldn't charge entry fees. Exactly. You know, they would just be paid for out of the general fund. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, parks, in national parks and state parks and stuff, sometimes those have entry fees. They wouldn't have they entry do, fees, yeah. you know. Um, libraries don't, but like, uh, print per printing that can add up. I printing, guess if you're yeah. printing a lot of stuff, that or would... like late fees and shit like that. And yeah, late fees. fees. I think there's already even a movement to like kind of get rid of late yeah, fees. Yeah, because it's a deterrent and... to checking out books. Yeah, online so... libraries are doing a lot of great work right now, Ooh. so that's good. Like audiobook style things. Um, or just not even just general... downloading it on your phone or whatever. And reading. Yeah, I, I'm, um... oh yeah, I guess they do have the ebooks too. Yeah, um, and it's just making it a lot more accessible for people, especially now when like they can't go out. So that's kind of cool. I wonder if you can, because I know. So our local libraries here, like you sign up in person. I think I don't think I you think can sign up online. Too. Yeah, but once you do, you have access to, you know, all sorts of, all sorts of media on. On those online libraries, yeah. So it's and another cool. thing is, if we actually democratize our libraries, like you can get so much shit done. Like there's like you can get actual sources. I'm just thinking like research possibilities are huge. Like I think basically it makes education more accessible. You don't necessarily have to go to a fucking fancy college. You can just like education is still useful in that sense. But I think it's a lot more open if you have those resources freely available and funded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would that's true. I think the question also included uh, museums and parks. I don't know if we read that part, uh, yeah. but she also asked about true. museums and parks, other public works, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think the same thing applies. Generally, we want them to be funded more, but it'll be more of a democratic process. Of like, okay, where are we going to put this, and like, how can we make sure that everyone's benefiting from this? Museums, I think, especially have a big elitism problem. I think so too. <laughs> yeah, because so so the so the gallery wings or whatever of them are are privately funded right they yeah. have somebody's name on there and it's mm-hmm. their collection and it it travels from place to place you know based on whatever deal they've signed yeah. or or whatever charities they want to be seen giving to so yeah with museums you would have more like fewer people would get obscene enough amount of money to where they could like hoard priceless art in their house yeah their man that sucks you know like, yeah that would be in museums sure. my feeling of um one of the things that i think could be better if they're democratized and you know i guess socialized you know is you would not go through the 
art exhibits and be like, whoa, the European masters. Oh, this. yes. And then be like, well, here's the world art. Look at it. <laughs> here's Weird, huh? Here's corner of Asia or Man whatever. American and Asia's art. all lumped together. Yeah. Yeah. Don't even worry about it. One of the things I get very angry about is imperialism in art and colonialism, um, which you kind of touched on. I'm like, yeah, we definitely overvalue Western art. If you've ever taken an art history course, it is 90% European. There are like three chapters on like Asia and like one on Africa. It's horrible. Oof. But um, I was thinking more directly in terms of who has the art. We just talk about the Elgin marbles, which were straight up jacked off of the Parthenon hmm. um, and are still in Britain. And they do not want to give them back. Every now and then Greece is like, hey, uh, can we have those back? And they're like, no, we can't. Like your, your country's not stable enough. And they're just going to lose them, is what they're saying? Basically, yeah, they're just going to keep them forever. Same thing with a lot of uh, Iraqi artwork, which is, you know, obviously cradle civilization stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of our earliest artwork is from the Iraqi area, and no one wants to give it back. Um, It's the same argument, you guys might break it. mm -hmm, Basically, (laughs) like your your countries do too much war, or I guess in Greece's case, like I don't know why they do that. It's not that the British drew those lines terribly or anything. (laughs) Yeah, for some reason, you you guys guys are constantly poor and in war. I don't know who did that to you. Was it me? (laughs) Yeah, but no, there's a huge problem with that. Like, I mean, that's my that's day one. Everybody, give back your stolen ass art. So there's a lot of it. I agree. Yeah, for sure. <sighs> That's an instance where you would really want some worldwide communism, yeah. some worldwide socialism. Because they'd just be like, nah, that's mine. Well, no, I mean, if you give it, it's great. You should give it back, right? If America mm-hmm. gives back all its stolen art, though, and the other countries aren't. If you give it to all the, to if America gives back a lot of artwork to other countries, you know, because we've gone into socialism and mm-hmm. then the other countries haven't and they hate us for it, then they will be like, well, it's ours now. You can't look at it, which yeah. is their right to do. Because it was theirs, but it does kind of suck that you won't have access to that. It's true. And vice versa, if like another country goes through it, and then America's like, well, suck it. You can't, you know. Yeah. Not that we really produce any art besides Cheesecake Factory. So, <laughs> um, we do produce modern yeah, shut art. Shut up. I think another solution to that would be like, fucking fund local art. Yeah, my commune would be just covered in art. I want the whole thing just to be painted and just crazy-ass sculptures everywhere. And if you provide enough basic services, like, people can do that. Yeah. I think it's a cool, it would be a cool combination of providing basic stuff for people, mm-hmm. you know, to, just to where they can be like, hey, if you don't want a job, if you just want to, like, paint stuff and, and create music or what, you know, or do you whatever. Or work at the library, which like, traditionally has not been paid very well. Yeah. Sorry. Then like, you can just do Kayla, that. Kayla, sorry. You can just do that and, like. It's fine. You know, you're not broke. But a combination of that and just straight up paying people as a job stipend, like, you know, as, as, a, as a job, being a musician, being a writer, yeah. being whatever. Yeah, it's valuable, man. Like WPA style mm-hmm. from the Depression or something. Just pay the artists to do stuff. We don't care what you do. Make a mural. Make whatever. Yeah, do some cool, cool things. Like, you know, put on a play. Yeah. The reason I want to fund local art, too, is because even if everyone's global communism, look, we all have our free museums up, cool. Mm -hmm. You still have to travel, and that's a big hindrance. Like, you know, I've never been to fucking Europe. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I think we should also really bolster local art because, um, one, it's cool. And two, not everyone's going to be able to travel. Hopefully, in the future, we have our crazy light speed rail or whatever. Yeah. Even then. Teleporter. Teleporter. (laughs) That's a good point. Uh, parks was the last part of that question. Parks, 
yeah, we want them. Parks, you have to do it also <laughs> because if you're going to solve climate, you need more land conserved. Yeah. You know, less yeah. development, less overdevelopment in, in places and, you know, urban, suburban sprawl and stuff. Yeah. You've got, you've got to, and a great way to do that is just make fucking parks out of them. Yeah. And I know? think, too, you'll also have, again, on the localization front, you'll have a lot more green spaces because if we're, if we're going full anarcho-communism, like, that's how they're going to be eating their food. So, like, you're going to have a lot more green um, which would be nice. Yeah. Bad for my allergies, but good for my tummy. <laughs> uh, that mean that was that's another thing that would be funded from the general fund of you know the state or the local commune would definitely have to prioritize and think about in any of these situations how much less you're spending on police, on oh, yeah. the military, on small business grants or something mm-hmm. you know or tax loopholes for various Back corporations. Up. Um, but also how much less you're spending, that's money that you can use. Yeah. And there are, you know, clear benefits to having these things like art and mental health are very intertwined. Same thing with nature. Like if you don't go outside enough, like that's going to be bad for you. Yeah. Which we have all learned lately. <laughs> <laughs> I realized, wow, I really want a yard. Definitely talk to my partner about that soon. <laughs> yeah. These things will definitely... Even if, yeah, even if you don't have as much police or any police, like the fact that you are taking care of people in this way, I think is going to make up for that. Yeah, for sure. Damn, I just really want to get rid of police, huh? (laughs) Yeah, no problem with that. I think, I think we, I think we agree there. We talked about how it's going, you know, obviously utopia, it'll be great. Mm -hmm. We talked about how socialism, it'll also be great. Pretty great. I'm into it. What do we, however, have to advocate for? Right now. Yeah, right now. Because mm. we're, we're, not, we're not really close to any of this yet. But we want to get there. What are some concrete things we can do or, or support even? I know, mean, I think patronizing these places is a good first step. Um, I think I am certainly guilty of, of not uh, using these services that already exist. I don't have a library card. I should get one of those. Yeah, I use li- libraries. are cool. Yeah, like, man. They're, they're great. I buy books. I'm bad. I do too, <laughs> but I, I like libraries, so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think just, just showing that there is a need for it, I think is big. If, if any of those organizations have a volunteer program that you want to get into, I think that'd be cool. Demand increased funding for it. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> just demand increased funding, demand increased accessibility, demand, uh, increased uh, range of services in terms of like, Hey, you know, expand the computer banks. Hey, For sure. uh, increase the internet speeds. Yeah. Hey, get modern computers. You know, hey, uh, increase like the, col- the collections in the libraries. They increase the collections in the museums. Decrease the uh, the entry fees. Mm-hmm. Um, get rid of the entry fees and they'll negotiate down to, to decreasing them. <laughs> That's you know? true, yeah. Uh, parking. Uh, make make, oh, make yeah. parking free there. If it's charged in bigger cities, it's it tends to you know you have to pay for it and everything. <laughs> Every time my friends uh, visit me, I'm like, I'm sorry. Uh, parks, to, you know, increase the staff there, decrease entry fees, uh, increase amenities, increase like staff in terms of like cleaning, maintenance, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Across the board on all of these, increase the wages for the people. Hell yeah, who work be pro there. worker. Yeah, increase their benefits. Make sure they're on whatever the best uh, retirement plan that the city offers is, and then it, it improve that. Yeah, for you know, sure. All of these. I I was thinking of this as kind of a, not really. It's half baked, but like, <laughs> um, tell me. Increase the ties between these public 
resources, right? You're mm-hmm. wanting to build them up, increase the ties between them and your educational system. Oh, for sure. Um, like partnerships and stuff to where they, you know, you have regularly, regular field trips and stuff to yeah. these things. I, I think, think that'd be, be cool. great. I think that, again, will show that very clear connection between these as institutions and like actual public services that are providing concrete good to kids and the people and other people and the people remember and mm-hmm. like you know think fondly of and then form memories of and, and want to look after as they exactly. go on, you know for sure stewardship yeah <laughs> then um i think beyond that you should um try to democratize uh the funding process for all this yeah because i feel like just so much of academia is just all old white people <laughs> well like think about it though the library and the museum and the the museum gets a lot of private funding mm-hmm. maybe um for its collections but publicly in terms of its like building and yeah. rent and stuff but uh, uh parks and everything like democratize democratize the process at like the local the state the national whatever level to where you get to decide more of how much of our money is going to go to buying the police some new riot gear (laughs) or a tank, how much of our money is going to go to them or to their pay raises, how much of our money is going to go to city officials, how much of our money is going to go to this. Yeah. You know, you need, uh, you should demand that they expand all that stuff we were saying before. Yeah. But you should also demand like a place to a decision-making the right to help make decisions as, as far as the money for it. Yeah, you know. and city budgets, those graphs have been bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, well, hopefully that, that helped, Kayla. All right, you want to move to the organization corner? I do. What are we talking about today? What are we organizing? We got Legos, we got wooden blocks. Well, let's... Um, part of this, part of what we're talking about here uh, is kind of local institutions and stuff Mm -hmm. and it kind of made me think about about a very local way to kind of organize and Mm -hmm. stuff is uh, forming mutual aid yeah i've heard a lot about this i think since like the pandemic started there were a lot of them kind of cropping up and i didn't know the term but i'm like it sounds pretty cool (laughs) yeah uh mutual aids when people join together basically they work together um to assist each other Mm-hmm. mutual aid right yeah i mean that's uh, that's why i thought it sounded cool <laughs> they, it's it's kind of a network um just people who live around you you know people in your area uh, you help each other emotionally socially materially financially it's, people who have help people who don't and the roles may one day be reversed i mean i think that's the reason that sounds great to me is because i am a little anarcho-communist so yeah it's <laughs> that's what that is it's small scale it doesn't really change the economy mm-hmm. right so it's it's voluntary and it's outside of what you're really doing to make a living mm-hmm. but we know that that economy produces such unequal outcomes yeah so what you're doing is trying to alleviate those outcomes directly you know trying to from the people who make so much just on the basis of their job, not because they're an asshole or something, um, they can then help out people who who don't. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. So how is that different from charity? That's a good question because I don't think either of us are like very big charity fans. I'm not. I have a lot of complicated feelings about it. Charity Charity is 
can have a lot of good impacts, but ultimately what you're looking at are scraps from the table. <laughs> yeah, this rich person had enough, either they wanted a tax break or they had enough small smidgen of goodness in them that they're like, oh, I'll give to you. And so they can even sometimes be, you know, real choice pieces of meat from the table. But the point is oh, that yeah. who is, you know... Who's controlling the table? Who's controlling It's like it? these conversations about... Um, there's a lot of conversation right now about hiring more diverse voices, more black people and more indigenous people. They're saying, well, we need we need more black voices at the table. And it's like, you shouldn't be the one inviting people to the table. You, the fact that you own and control the table is the problem. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is ultimately, yeah. What we're talking about here is uh, mutual aid is direct neighbor to neighbor. There's no other outside organization deciding who they're going to dispense the you know, their benevolence too. Charity comes often with a ton of strings attached. Um, yeah. The big example, e- easiest one is religious charities. Mm-hmm. Um, you gotta be on board with that, you know, <laughs> to receive that funding. And that's not cool to me, you know. Um, even, you know, Planned Parenthood, they're always getting fucking shot at, basically, um, either by literal crazy people or by people trying to defund them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's just always a lot of one, there's a lot of bureaucracy involved. If it's a big enough organization, you're going to have to pay all these admins to do all this blah, blah, blah. It takes up a lot of money. takes up a lot of time. It just takes up too much energy, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Two, you have to keep your benefactors happy. That's entire people's jobs. No, oh, yeah. Like, I know someone. That is their mm-hmm. fucking job. It's just to woo old rich people. <laughs> yeah. And that's crazy that the, 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 these vital services are left in the hands of like, did I spend enough money on this banquet to get them to donate even more money? Like, that's just so wasteful. It blows my mind. I'm like, you could have done your, you know, $600 a plate dinner and just been like, Hey, just give those $600. Like, instead yeah, of there's, doing ex- that. there's extra steps just to, just to keep the machine going that don't really need to be. It's a Rube Goldberg device for... For sure. Uh, what and, and another thing I like about mutual aid is that it's just, it's more empowering. You're not... Mm-hmm. If you're the one doing the helping, you're doing that in the sense, you know, that it's fine for now. And then maybe if something happens to me, someone will help me, you know? Yeah. And you're not relying, you're not begging, you're not going to... You're not dependent on that $600 dinner yeah you know the generosity of the people who put you there in the first place you know <laughs> honestly uh, yeah if these yeah that i get very frustrated when people are like oh the ceo donated like half of his profits i'm like that means he had too many profits <laughs> yes <laughs> like the fact of the matter is that guy's not living a he's not a fucking monk he's not yeah. like i eat, i eat bread and water every day and he's not like working <laughs> and that he's much not, harder yeah. than the other people you yeah know? like if you actually paid your employees fairly like yeah we wouldn't fucking need to do that mm-hmm. so i i love the concept of this yeah and i think it's good i think yeah leftists should look into ways to get involved with this yeah that was my next uh, question is yeah. this sounds cool i want to do it how do i do that all right how do you do it one way is to go to mutualaidhub.org. Okay. Right, it's called the Mutual Aid Hub. It's run by an organization called Town Hall Project. Okay. Uh, Town Hall Project, they do, um, they're kind of a nonprofit. They, their big thing was to tell people where and when elective, elected representatives are holding public events mm-hmm. so they can go talk to them or okay. send in messages or whatever, you know. You can follow them at, at Town Hall Project. Uh, but mutual, the Mutual Aid Hub, basically, you look up you know, it's an interactive map. Mm-hmm. And you look up where the mutual aid organizations are. It's got all the links and everything. 
basically, if you're anywhere in the United States besides the Dakotas. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry, Dakotas. Yeah, and if you're in the, if you're a listener from the Dakotas, start one of these up. Yeah, you know, I'm sure you can do it. I, I've never started one up, so I don't yeah. know how hard it is. But I like how we're just like, yeah, just do it. Just do it. Um, get out there, see what you can do. But the ones that already exist, you can kind of link up with those guys. It's got a website thing. You got four. I checked out. A couple of the ones close to us in the mm-hmm. DFW area. Uh, we have North Texas Mutual Aid uh, at NTX Mutual Aid uh, and Aid Network Denton, which is at Aid Denton. Yay, Denton. Uh, so those are two. And either of those sites, they have kind of a sign-up thing okay. where you're like, I need help or mm-hmm. I want to help. And you kind of cool. you know, give your information to them. And this way you can kind of help out your community. Yeah. You know? I'm very curious to see. So I... I, my company has like an employee match program, so I might try to see if they're on those mm-hmm. um, so I can double my money. Um, that is a quick and easy tip if you want to donate stuff. Right now I have it set up to Planned Parenthood and the Bail Project, and it's just monthly. It comes out of my paycheck. I don't even notice it. Um, and, and they just, have to pay exactly the same amount up to a certain amount. Do they have to they have like a limit? Like we won't fund, you know... Al-Qaeda or something. <laughs> they have a list you can choose from. Okay. So, well, um, but pretty it's pretty extensive. I wasn't expecting to find a bail organization yeah. there, and I totally did. So That's if that cool. is a thing your company offers, fucking exploit it. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Don't let that be all you do, but do it. Yeah, they, they probably do it for, like, write-off purposes or something, sure. right? But, it's also or PR. Or for PR, yeah. yeah to, to, to look good. Um, but, yeah, those are some ways you can get involved. We are both going to sign, sign up for... These that'd be great. And see what we can do to help our community. Please join us in that. Like especially now, you know, we're coming up on probably the second wave of this stuff. Dude, yeah. You know, soon enough, or the probably second half of the first wave or something. Yeah, you know? we don't even we know. We didn't get a second wave. <laughs> we just got a for one big long wave. So yeah, uh, people are going to need more help than ever. Yeah, I think at the time of recording, we're like nearly full up. We're nearly full up in the in the Houston ICU beds. I yeah. think is what they said. It's, it's breaking bad, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so if you can at all, uh, if you find yourself, as I know I do, you know, find yourself in a in an easy position, and that's why it's so difficult. You know, it, it was just a stupid thing to say, but like you feel kind of guilty, like yeah. We're not really, like, suffering. Yeah, yeah. And so this is something you can do to, like, help people who really who really are, you know, yeah. who are really pinched. And, I, yeah, I know it's it's a privileged as fuck position to be in, but it's definitely real. Guilt is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, race Catholic here, it's definitely a thing. And <laughs> in the process, you are not paying anybody's salary to, uh, you know, organize galas. Yeah, or, and all kinds of bullshit yeah you're not you know <laughs> you're not doing any of that you're you're directly yeah you no know. some of these are just like food pantries mm-hmm. yeah so also you can i'm sure you can donate food too yeah that sounds cool we should do that i'm excited all right i think that wraps it up that's yeah that's it we i hope we get some more questions in the future so we can do this again this is kind of fun to i liked it do little mini segments you know yeah. jump around and definitely some of these like especially the china question we're going to come back to and and elaborate in future episodes Mm -hmm. yeah for sure i felt like we could have done the whole thing on that we could have for sure speaking of which yeah so next time we are actually going to devote a whole episode to one of our questions yeah um this question is from aiden i'm not gonna read the whole thing right now just give you kind of a sneak peek 
Mm-hmm. Basically, he's a filmmaker and he wants to know how collaborative arts such as filmmaking will work under communism. Awesome. Um, I kind of want to more broadly talk about art and communism. We kind of touched on it today with museums and supporting local art. But yeah, how it would work, basically. How would my job look different under communism, both my day job and my dream job? But yeah, basically, maybe we, we can cover a few different types of art. Collaborative, quote-unquote fine art. I have a problem with that term. Um, <laughs> uh, more graphic artists and comics and illustrations, stuff like that. I think yeah. that'd be cool. But yeah, no, like street art, you know, Ooh, self-taught. Yeah. I think there are a lot of implications. Like we talked today, once you actually fund basic needs, the world opens up. Yeah. I think it's going to be a really pretty place to be. I like that. All right. So that does it for us this week. So as usual, you can find us on social media. Um, Instagram is at teachmecommunism. Twitter is at teachcommunism. Gmail, if you want to send us a question, we love doing these and we'd love to keep doing listener episodes. We've also talked about just including it as a segment instead Mm -hmm. of organization corner some weeks. So keep sending those in at teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Those make us happy. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. They're full of compliments. I'm very happy. Yeah, I I read them the other the other day and was just like, oh, those are so. People great. think you have a soothing voice. Apparently, yeah. my voice is shit. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm I'm just being an asshole. It's, it's harsh. It's yeah. <laughs> grating. That's just fine. I don't Luckily, care. Luckily, I'm there to soothe them though. Oh, we we're now on YouTube. If that's your game. Yeah, we upload all the all the episodes to YouTube with uh, with the art we use from the social media posts so if that's just your platform you know then yeah. do that it's cool i think that's it uh yeah that's it thanks for being a great student as always hey, thanks thank you listeners for the questions again yeah thanks to john and jack so yeah catch us next week on another episode of teach me communism where the class struggle is always in session i'm gonna go make you dinner Thanks. You're actually going to help me. This is some mutual aid. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to mutual aid each other dinner. Bye, y'all. Oh, that's polite. Look, if, imagine him holding tiny playing cards. Let's see, I've got. Oh, no, he's holding dominoes. Oh, yeah, that's very. That's a dominoes hold. Do you have a? Oh shit, I don't know anything about dominoes. This should be a blooper at the very end. <laughs> shit, I don't know anything after about dominoes. The, after the music. Dad's listening. He's like, no. <laughs> I taught you six times how to play dominoes. I, I always don't pay attention. It gets boring.